It is a very warm welcome to the Cricket Library Weekly. Matt Ellis is my name and joining me once again, Robbie McKinlay. Welcome back. Welcome back, buddy. And it's good to be back. Uh, we, have we extended it over the week this time? Or we, um, it just feels like it's gone over a week. It just, yeah, it, it feels like it may have been a little bit longer than a week since the last time we recorded. And hasn't it been a harrowing time? Uh, yeah. A, a really, a really somber time for the cricketing world. And uh, I, I was talking to someone today, actually, um, in and around what the significance of the loss of Shane Warne and Rodney Marsh has been to the Australian cricketing community, but also the flow-on effect in, in, in the lives of cricket fans around the world. It, it has been touching many people as those two gentlemen touched many people in, in their lives here on earth. That, that's right. That's exactly what it was like, Matt, wasn't it? It was, you know, we had the, the, the sad news about Rod Marsh and obviously it was a, it was a very serious um, heart attack that he had and he, yeah, there was sort of no coming back from there and, um, yeah, we're just trying to consume all that and I must have I had a, a family member of mine send a message about um, Shane Warne on early Sunday morning and I just sent back and I said, no, nah, that's Rod Marsh. And, and no, it wasn't. So, yeah, and it, I, I, I'll be very honest. I felt um, in a very sombre sort of mood. Um, I was grieving for, you know, for the first two or three days. It was, it was pretty hard. But there were so many, um, for both players, there were so many great tributes uh, via uh, on, on air or on, uh, on the news channels mm-hmm. and also podcasting. And I just felt, yeah, I've got a really good snapshot of it all. But, um, yeah, and today, um, Warren is obviously body back in Australia, back in Melbourne. I think that's really nice. That's, that's where it is. And, and great news about the, the funeral will be a state one. It will be at MCG. Yeah. And um, it's going to be an opportunity for a lot of people to go along and um, pay their last respects. And, yeah, it was, it was a very tough week, Matt. The two legends of the game. Yeah, Rod Marsh, I'd you know, grew up as a kid watching him. He, he became the first aggressive wicketkeeper. Mm. He led the way. Wicketkeeper traditionally were batting at number seven, quite a good defence, just holding up the end a bit while the tail ends might have a slog or trying to help out a, the number five or six batter. And Marsh turned that around a bit. He was a little bit hit and miss, but very aggressive. And um, he changed cricket around. And, and then, of course, Warren Eagle, leg, leg spinning, which you absolutely love, Matt. It mm. was dead and buried. It was gone. And it was a dying art. And then Shane Warne brought it back to life with his, you know, 145 tests, 708 wickets. He was a genuine rock star. He was one of the great celebrities 
of sport in the world. It, it, he was, there weren't many bigger than Shane Warne. Uh, 100%, Robbie. And I, I, I guess uh, on Rod Marsh as well, the legacy that he has through his work at the Australian Cricket Academy, the mm. the generation of legends that came through under his tutelage down there at Glenelg in South Australia at the Cricket Academy, and then, of course, the work that he did in England over there, uh, developing players over there, just, just someone who kept yeah. on giving back to cricket. Uh, there was never... Never any shortage of giving from from Rodney Marsh to the cricketing community, and uh, yeah, very very heartfelt tributes coming through for both players, and and the way they both played the game, like you said, uh, uh, Rodney Marsh, someone who who started to take the game on, the first Australian wicketkeeper to score a Test century, and Shane Warne, just the larger than life character that he was and the joy that he brought to so many, the the thousands and thousands of kids who would have grown up in the 90s with Shane Warne posters on their wall trying to bowl leg spin. And yeah, yeah. That, that, that's something uh, that, that, that will remain. Um, and I guess, I guess the difference between the good players and the great players, uh, consistency. And Shane Warne performed one of the most difficult skills in cricket consistently well over over many, many years. Uh, and his on-field statistics speak for themselves. He was a real big game player in the big moments. You yep. knew he wanted the ball in his hand. He wanted the big responsibility. And so many times he, he was a match winner for Australia and uh, sorely missed and obviously – thinking of the Marsh family and, and the, those close to the Marsh family and uh, Shane Warne's parents and children and, and those close to the Warne family as well at, at what's been a, a very difficult time that we're still we're still all processing a, a week on, Robbie, mm. and, um, yeah, sincere condolences. Well said, mate. Well, Robbie, while all that was happening, uh, a test match in Pakistan, the first time since 1998, Australia playing Pakistan in Pakistan and runs were flowing, uh, certainly for the Pakistan opening batters. We got sent some, some data from the Orange Library in and around this one, Robbie. The, the two openers just piling on the runs. I'm just trying to bring up on my uh, little database here that was sent through from the Orange Library around that stat. Uh, while I look for that, Robbie, just get your reflections yep. on on the test match, um, what you thought of the conditions. I know there's been a lot of talk around the wicket. There's been a lot of talk around the amount of runs scored uh, and a lot of talk around the teams and which way uh, the selectors may go for the second test. Uh, what what are your um, what are your thoughts on on what transpired over there in 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 the opening test? Yeah, look, I guess um, if you look at the bigger overall picture, uh, Australia on the subcontinent, uh, not to lose a game is is good because our record's not that great over there. So we've had a draw and a you know a comfortable draw. But 
I think you could still be. I think Simon Caddick said you could still be batting on that wicket fifteen days into the match. <laughs> it was so. <laughs> it was so good. But Pakistan's combined total was something like four for seven hundred and twenty-eight. I think. Yeah. Which is just incredible. Uh, only fourteen wickets fell for the whole game. But the thing that I was really I look, I thought Australia bowled well. They didn't do much wrong, especially yeah. in that first innings. They bowled with discipline. There was just nothing in that wicket. And then but I just love watching those Pakistani openers bat. Their technique is mm. so tight, so well equipped. They are really good to watch. So yeah, look and I think um, I think there was a probably that they wanted to make sure that game went the journey that for the first game back. I think I'm not too worried about the result. I just I was so happy with the occasion that finally, you know, almost two and a half decades after we last played there, they were mm. back playing Test cricket in Pakistan. I think that was a positive to come out of Maddie. And I look forward to the Test match. We're doing this on a Friday. Our starts tomorrow. Yeah, um, it, it's going to. It's great to watch the. Um, I love the time slot. Oh, the four o'clock start. Oh, oh, oh. If you don't mind. You've had, a, you've had a day of WNCL or Marsh Cup uh, or Shield cricket, then you can just go straight into that. So, now look, I'm, I'm still very upbeat about it, Maddie. I, I, I believe Mitch Swepson will be making his debut. Okay. So that's a bit of, bit of news coming out of. Um, Is that out, out of the of River Gum Drive Library? You, you get... That's come out of the River Gum Drive, and it looks like Joshy Hazelwood, Hazelwood's the one to step away okay. from that. So, yeah, it'll be Swepson and Lyon, Cummins and Stark, and Cameron Green will bowl. I thought Marnus bowled really well. So, yeah, I just look, I think there might be a little bit more activity in this wicket. Um, but let's see what happens. But, oh, I just love it. It's well played. It was played in a great spirit, mate. Let's hope it continues that way. Yeah, absolutely, Robbie. I've got these stats through here from the Orange Library now as well. Uh, the opening partnership between Abdullah Shafiq and Imam Ul-Haq. Uh, Shafiq making 136 not out, Ul-Haq 111 not out. That's the highest partnership against Australia for Pakistan. Uh, and it's also the highest unbeaten first wicket partnership in a test against Australia. Ooh. And it, it's the first time in test match history where a match featured three consecutive first wicket century stands. So wow. yeah, really, really good data coming through around that, and and then just a little side note: the Australian wickets came at an average of 182 apiece, oh. and Ooh. that is the second highest ever. And and my, my my question to that was: Does the Orange Library ever sleep? And um, they just love delivering. They just love delivering the stats. And just another side one: um, Farwad Alarm. Played, oh. played all five days. <laughs> he didn't get a bat. He didn't get a bowl. He didn't take a catch. So he certainly contributed. He certainly would have loved being there and being part of it. But uh, I don't think that happens very often. You get to play five days of test cricket and um, <laughs> not really feature in one of the more meaningful statistical ways, I guess. I'm sure, I'm sure he would have been affecting... Uh, maybe run-saving efforts in the field and that sort of stuff. But, yeah, uh, that, that, that would be a very interesting experience going five days without uh, having the opportunity to battle, bowl, or even take a catch. So uh, looking forward to the second test, Robbie. Um, 
Yeah, there's a bit of Swepson mania at my place at the moment. Uh, obviously very excited at that news that I've just heard around Mitch Swepson. Really looking forward to seeing him uh, getting a chance to ply his craft over there. I don't think it'll all be all smooth sailing um, necessarily, uh, but, yeah, definitely very happy to see him get that opportunity and um, looking forward to this test match, Robbie. I'll certainly be tuning in uh, as well as tuning in to the Australians at the Women's World Cup, Robbie. Um, WNCL still going on. And, and we'll wrap up the Marsh Cup final as well a little bit later in the show as well. So plenty of cricket still going on. We'll take a quick break now. And when we come back, we'll look at the Australians' campaign in the Women's World Cup so far. And, of course, the Women's National Cricket League competition. You are tuned in to the Cricket Library Weekly with Robbie McKinlay and Matt Ellis. Hey, everyone. This is Scott Flash Norton here. Hey, guys. Rachel Priest here. Hi, this is Renee Farrell, and you are listening to the Cricket Library Weekly with Robbie McKinlay and Matty Ellis. And it's just too sweet. We are back on the Cricket Library Weekly, and what a great time of year this is. The Women's World Cup underway from New Zealand, and a bit of an upset in the tournament opener. I, I guess you could call it an upset. The West Indies holding on to win by three runs against tournament host New Zealand. Deandra Dotton, who hadn't bowled for the West Indies for some time, came on to bowl the final over and just closed it out for the Windies. So uh, on the back of a Hayley Matthews century there as well, um, uh, a wonderful start to the tournament and not forgetting Sophie Devine scoring 100 in that game as well. So runs were flowing early. Uh, the South Africans, they, they got their campaign off to a good start as well. Nice, solid win for them against Bangladesh. And then the big one, as far as we're concerned, Robbie, Australia defeating England by 12 runs. Uh, Australia batting first, three for 310. Rachel Haynes, the star there, 130 of 131. And Meg Lanning, 86. And then England not able to chase the total down. A couple of wickets for Jonathan. Uh, a couple of wickets for Talia McGrath and three wickets for Alana King. Uh, despite Nat Siver, 109 not out of 85, a, a phenomenal performance from her. But Australia Australia off to a good start with that one, Robbie. Yeah, it's been a high-scoring um, competition so far, which they did predict. The yeah. wickets are good. A lot of the outfit, a lot of the grounds are fairly small, but um, good conditions over there in New Zealand. I think it's a great place to host it. And, yeah, the Aussies have made a great start. And, I guess we've got a really good test coming up on Sunday morning our time. I think it's, it's first balls around about 9am Sunday morning. So oh. it's, that's, that's going to be must viewing. Um, so, and for, for mine, the West Indies so far. So their two wins, Matty, have been against New Zealand and England. Mm. And both by, well, I think one was three runs, one was seven runs. Yeah. So <laughs> they've held their nerve well there. That, that has just given them a massive chance at, getting into that top four. And what it has done, it's put a lot of pressure on teams like India and England to see if they can get inside that top four. So, yeah, and look, you would think the West Indies will beat Bangladesh and Pakistan. Yep. That gives them four wins. Uh, they only need to find another one there. But, but from they, here, they only need to win three of their last four, you know. Well, if they can... Probably only need to win two of their last. Wins, yeah. I reckon they might. And I think they'll get there. 
So, well, they play um, India tomorrow, actually, Robbie. That one's a midday game, uh, Australian Eastern Daylight Time tomorrow. Yep. So I think that's what I'll be doing after junior cricket's finished tomorrow morning. We'll, we'll be parking ourselves in front of that one. Uh, yeah, it's hard not to watch that one. Yeah, that and Australia, their, their campaign, uh, the big game for them on Sunday. And then I think it's Tuesday, again, a 9 o'clock game. There could be some people taking annual leave on Tuesday. Uh, Australia taking on the West Indies in what yep. will be a, a really good test for both teams there. So, yeah, things really heating up. And those early losses for New Zealand and England against the West Indies, it's throwing a bit of a spanner in the works. Is, is that fair to say? It's throwing <laughs> a spanner in the work, works for England on the back of the fact that they lost to Australia as well? Oh, definitely. I think any time England get a spanner put in their works, it's good fun. <laughs> uh, good, yeah, good banter. Uh, we love our English. Um, yeah, it's, no, I, I just, it's just fascinating stuff. They've got a, they've got a massive game coming up against, um, I think it's South Africa. Mm. Yeah, on um, March 14, um, which is just think, the birthday of one of your bat sponsors, um, uh, young A.B. McKinley, so happy <laughs> birthday, him on the 14th, um, who been struck down with COVID. He's going to miss oh, the first no, final this no. week in, in his club cricket, but that, we do deviate a bit. Um, but all, overall, Matty, I'm, it's, it's just rolling on really well. It's great coverage of the Women's World Cup. It um, is. Cricket, it's so much cricket. And I must admit, I'm absolutely loving the um, West Indies-England first test match that started over there. Of course, yeah. that's for the um, Botham Richards trophy for the first time. Oh. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's good old Johnny Bairstow has come up with a ton. Uh, There's lots to like about Johnny Bairstow. He's a, he's a gritty campaigner, isn't he? Very gritty campaigner, indeed. And, um, yeah, that's going to be an interesting series, that one. Really looking forward to trying to squeeze that in. There's just so much cricket yeah. on, Robbie, and and you've <laughs> you've hard. actually been calling some of it as well. Uh, the WNCL, one of our favourite players, uh, playing for the Tasmanian Tigers women. Now the the Tassie Tigers women are looking very impressive, and I I recall Molly Strano. Uh, we mm-hmm. caught up with Molly Strano last year on the Cricket Library podcast in a. A length, a, like an extended interview, and she made reference to a possible tattoo if Tasmania could get their hands on the coveted Ruth Pretty WNCL title. So I don't know if she's forgotten that. I might even try and dig the audio out for that as as we get to the climax of the season. But they, they had a good win over WA, uh, and also the game you were calling, Robbie, uh, against the ACT Meteors, a, a magnificent performance down there from favourite of the of the library, Rachel Priest, 110 from 124 deliveries. You were there to call the action. Uh, what what were your reflections on that game? It was an excellent innings from Rachel Priest. What I liked about it, Matt, I'd, I'd watched I've watched her play a couple of times this year in the WNTL, and um, I think she's got out with a bit of frustration on a couple of times. She ha- she generally likes to get away early with a boundary or two and a couple of previous matches she had and she'd been well contained she waited for the right ball to hit 14 boundaries in that century and they were all on their merits which I thought was the really impressive thing about it so she is set up I, I think the Tasmanian Tigers are a massive chance 
They've won five out of their six games. They're equal on top with New South Wales Breakers, who had a good win today. So I think those two look like, Matt, that they will play off in the in the final. And you could see a little precursor to that on um, 14th of this Monday coming when New South Wales take on Tassie at North Sydney Oval. So that, that's a really big one. And then I think the only other side that really can force its way in there is the uh, South Australian Scorpions. Yep. Now, the Scorpions have got a big game against ACT on March 15th. Uh, so I think I'll be at, I'm doing that game. Yep. Uh, if they need to keep winning. The Scorpions have got to keep on winning. They've got two games to come against the ACT, who were much improved in their last hit out. And then they've got a game against Victoria, who are struggling at the Junction Oval. So don't quite rule the Scorpions out yet, but if the Tigers can come up with one more win, mm. I don't think they can do that. Uh, they Because they've still got to play Victoria at Shepley Oval, Dandenong. I'm not sure if you're too familiar with Shepley uh, Oval. I haven't been to Dandenong. Shepley. No, Matt. Um, that will just lock it away. So I think you're going to see this Monday a preview of the WNTL final when New South Wales Breakers take on the Tasmanian Tigers. Wow. So, yeah. Well, we heard it here That's... first on the Cricket Library Weekly. Yep, you did. And uh, we'd be remiss if not to mention the great work of Amy Edgar from WA. Well, I say from WA, but you know where she is actually from, the central west of New South Wales, of course. Is she really? Yeah, 85 not out for Amy Edgar. We we had this brought to our attention. Uh, She was very impressive uh, in in an earlier game as well, but 85 not out uh, today, Uh, not enough to get WA across the line against New South Wales because another uh, regional-based uh, player uh, oh. doing the job for New South Wales with the bat, Rachel Treneman, 90 not out, a uh, friend of the Cricket Library Weekly, obviously, yes. uh, as is Talia Wilson, 67 uh, from 110. And then, of course, Phoebe Litchfield from the Central West, 16 not out in there also. So plenty of, plenty of positive signs uh, for... New South Wales, who have a lot of players not around at the moment because of the yeah. uh, Women's World Cup. So, yeah, very interesting finish to the WNCL season coming up, Robbie, and, and really looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. i tell you what, Matt. I know you love your Central West because you're a heartland, but haven't they had an impact for New South Wales this year in both the Breakers and also in Sheffield Shield cricket? You know, Chris Tremaine, Trent Copeland, yeah. Daniel Hughes, Henry Hunt. Oh, captain yes, South captain Australia. of South Australia. It Gee, just goes on and on. I think actually um, last week when there was some extenuating circumstances, I, I'd planned a Henry Hunt special for the Cricket Library Weekly just to bring everyone's attention to the fact that the new South Australian captain has his heritage in the central west of New South Wales. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get to that. Uh, but yeah, huge, it's hugely, uh, satisfying, I think for so many people in, in regional areas to see that their local talent is, is mixing it with the best in first class cricket. So yeah, a real feather in the cap. I wonder if the Central West players are aware that of the, uh, scrutiny that they possibly get put <laughs> under by the Orange Library who yeah. to follow them at ad nauseum. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's the <laughs> Yeah, listen, Matt, 
it's been look. I've had it. Where is Matt Fiction? I oh. get wherever I go, I get this continually. Yeah. What has happened to Matt Fiction? Um, good question. Now, I was actually I was actually speaking to someone about this the other day. Since since he launched the book, the Haiku Poem Book, um, yep, he has been in very high demand. So yeah. he's doing yeah. a lot of um, a lot of ebook promotion. I think is, which is funny because um, I, sorry to cross promote here, but um, I did a guest appearance on the last Wicket podcast, uh, which will be airing next week, and yeah. and I was on there talking about all things cricket, um, but also was an opportunity to mention the book and you know get the word out there to to other audiences about the love of cricket, for the love of cricket, haiku poems inspired by the summer game that was co-authored by Matt Fiction and myself. Why isn't Matt Fiction out there doing, like shouldn't he be coming on here mm. to talk to us? Thought, that's, the, that's why I asked you, Matt. I, I get this. Well, that, this is a question out there in the um, yeah in the wide world. So I don't know, it might be time. It'd be great to get, good to hear from Fiction again. So maybe, you know, for our, Maybe next week's podcast would be nice to grab him. Yeah, I, I, I just have my concerns that he's going to be very hard to catch given the amount of time he's spending promoting the book. He is just a, he's a promotional juggernaut. People think I'm a self-promoter, but I, I'm, I've been living in fiction shadow for a long time, Robbie. <laughs> so uh, we, we'd better take a break, mate. When we come back... Um, the Marsh Cup final, the most coveted title in domestic one-day cricket around the world. I think it's safe to say that it was up for grabs today. And when we come back, we'll dissect all the action from the Marsh Cup final. We are back on the Cricket Library Weekly. And, Robbie, the topic we've been avoiding the whole show... Uh, and congratulations to Western Australia, 15-time Australian domestic one-day champions. Uh, a magnificent game of cricket today at the Junction Oval in Victoria at St Kilda, the City Power Centre there. WA batting first, looked in all sorts of trouble, Robbie. Talk us through uh, what has been a, a memorable Marsh one-day cup final. Well, Matt, they... Um they were no chance of winning that on the junction, which I thought was a pretty good wicket. They were six for eighty nine, mm. even the eight for one sixty one, nine for one hundred and seventy three, and then Matthew Kelly and Jason Berendorf have put on a partnership unbeaten fifty two for the last wicket to give them hope. Yeah. When you got hope, you're a chance. Nine for two twenty five, three wickets to Adam Zampa and Daniel Sam, which you'd be delighted with a leg spinner and a favourite of the Cricket Library <laughs> Weekly in Sandy. Yeah. Um, and then New South Wales, um, they were, I must admit, I, I watched the last bit. There was a very good stand between Daniel Sams and Moses on Reeks, got them back on, because they were six, for, they were four for 85, five for 107, yeah. six for 108. And then they were seven for 204. And then, if you haven't seen the catch taken by Hilton Cartwright in oh. the outfield to dismiss Moses on Reeks, have a look at it. It is one of the best catches you'll see. 
that turned the game. New South Wales lost that wicket at 204. They lost their ninth wicket to a brilliant catch off the inside edge. Philippi got rid of Zampa, nine for 206. And then Tanvir Sanger, missed time pull shot, caught by the substitute, and Kelly took the wicket. And as you said, Matty, WA take their 15th one-day domestic title in Australian cricket. Well played. Yeah, and I can tell you what, Dylan, one of our loyal listeners over there, oh. would be all over that. He he would be cock-a-hoop. Given the fact, the year that Western Australian cricketers had, that Western Australian citizens have had uh, during the pandemic, they've come away with the WBBL title. They've come away with the BBL title. And now they have their hands once again on the Marsh One Day Cup. Uh, fingers crossed Jai Richardson's okay. He got through 6.4 overs today, one yeah. for 13. Went off looking like may have been a, a hamstring niggle, might have been something else. Hopefully it's not too serious for him. But what a performance from WA Cricket. Given given everything that, that they've gone through with bubbles and uh, being away from family and friends uh, to come away as the domestic one-day yep. champions, a, a, a magnificent result and uh, full credit to the players, the coaching staff, and, and everyone who has made that possible for WA. And congratulations to New South Wales as well. They, they did have a lot of washouts this year, New South Wales, in their campaign, in, interrupted by that. Uh, but uh, an 18-run loss in, in the decider, a reversal of last year's decider where New South Wales were able to lift the title but uh, what, what a great finish to the domestic one-day season, Robbie. Yeah, absolutely. And a good re- reward for um, Ashton Turner, the captain of WA. He's led them really well. But uh, New South Wales will regret four players were out for naught. Mm. And that always makes it hard. A couple of those, Jack Edwards back to Holt, three balls between them. And then, yeah, Zamp and Tanvir sang with them. But, and what on uh, Andrew Ty, too, four for 30. Mm. And Aaron Hardy, just an emerging young cricketer. He's been up great. Three wickets. Yeah, he's been he's really good. One to watch. So, but yeah, just not enough for Blues getting a start, Matt. We had, uh, I think it was six players all scored between 20 and 43. No one went on with it. But then, mine, the catch of Hilton Cartwright will go down in history in WA folklore as the one that turned the game and won the Marsh Cup. Yeah, absolutely. That catch had all of us off our chairs in living rooms around the country and a, a wonderful performance, Robbie. And unfortunately, we're out of time, which means we can't heap any more praises on WA <laughs> cricket. So, so, so time for you to go and have some dinner, I do believe, Robbie. I, I'll, I'll be having some dinner as well. And uh, getting myself ready for a feast of cricket as well in in the coming days with Australia taking on Pakistan, as we mentioned earlier. Mitchell Swepson set to make his debut. And, of course, Australia continuing their Women's World Cup campaign. Thanks to all of our loyal listeners for tuning in. Thanks to all of our new listeners for being a part of the show as well. We very much look forward to your company again next time. This has been Matt Ellis and Robbie McKinlay for the Cricket Library Weekly. Bye for now.